Uh, as I said, we're looking at the Psalms over the next five or six weeks. We're going to be working our way through them. Uh, and today's going to be like a bit of an intro to it. We're going to get uh, a bit of a sense of what we're going to be doing with them. And we'll get a bit of a sense. And we're going to touch into Psalm 13 a little bit later. I think one of the amazing things about uh, Christianity, apart from who Jesus is and what he's done, but it's also that second gift that Nicole mentioned. It's the Bible. Translated only into a few languages in Chad, but it's the most read and most translated Bible or book in the whole world. And it is a phenomenal thing, the Bible. Uh, it's written over 1,500 years or more by multiple authors over different time frames in different places, but yet it all contains one story from beginning to end. It's a phenomenal book. There is nothing like it anywhere that has ever been written uh, because the amazing thing about it is it's God's book. It's his book and within it, uh, he reveals himself to us. In it, he reveals ourselves to ourselves and in it, he reveals how we can be in relationship with him for eternity. And he does that as he tells a story, his story, all the way through. But within it, he uses a whole heap of different ways of expressing that. You see, the Bible isn't just one piece of literature. You don't just pick it up and read it from beginning to end and think you're going to just read one type of writing all the way through. As I said, it's written over 1,500 years by a whole lot of different authors in a whole lot of different styles or genres, you can call it you want to use that terminology. And as you look at that, that book, it's, it's an amazing thing because as you read it, you get to realise that as you read different parts of it, it hits different ways of communicating to us. Because God knows he's a God who created us and made us and he knows that we don't just need facts. He knows that we don't just need history. He knows that we don't just need poems. We don't just need way out there stories or mystical stuff or what they called apocalyptic type writing, but actually we need all of it. And in all of it we get to find out about God's story. His story about how he wants us to know him and how he wants us to know him back. It's an amazing book. Uh, when you pick up the paper and you read it, what do you get? Yeah, well, that's probably true. You do. Ads, uh, a whole lot of other different things, don't you? But generally, when you pick it up, you'll know that there'll be a report and you'll read it and there'll be information. And a number of years ago, it was just facts. Now they add emotion and a whole lot of other things in there and points of view. But generally, you pick it up and you know that, don't you? Uh, when you pick up a new idea, that's even more what you said. <laughs> uh, new idea. But you know when you pick that up, you're getting the false facts or you're getting someone's particular point of view on something or whatever. When you pick up a historical book of history, you know, well, actually, here's dates and figures. You know how to read it, don't you? When you pick up a poem and you read that, then you know that there's going to be more light and more shade, there's going to be picture language, there's going to be different things, but it can still hold truth and it can still hold history 
but it's written in a different way, isn't it? Now, we need to remember that when we pick up the Bible, there is all that type of literature, apart from probably the new idea one, uh, there's all, but there is some interesting <laughs> stories in there, you think, quite interesting as well. But when you pick up the Bible, you need to remember that you need to read it that way. You don't just pick it up and take one bit out of it and say, okay, this is what it means by just pulling it out and saying, here it is. That might have come out of some apocalyptic writing. It might have come out of some history. It might have come out of a poem. You need to know where it comes from, don't you? And that's how we read the Bible. And when we come to the Psalms that we're going to be looking at over the next little while, we need to realise that that's the case too. Because when we get to the Psalms, the word means songs or poems. And when we read them, we need to read them as that, as poems, as songs, as cries of the heart. You see, that's what they are. When we read through the Psalms, we get to hear people expressing how they're feeling towards God. It's not always the way that you should or the way that everyone or the, the best all the time. But this is their cry. This is their heartfelt emotion as they speak to God about what's going on for them on the inside. And I reckon that's fantastic, isn't it? You know, because sometimes we think it's all about facts and figures and truth and all this sort of stuff and you've got to have it all sorted, it's all scientific, it's all got to be nutted out, it's all got to be lined up. But our God is that and more. You, you can do all that sort of stuff. You can, do, you can go hard at working out the history and the, uh, the scientific evidence and all that stuff. You can put it all together there. But in the Psalms, we get this heartfelt cry of people of where they're at in the situation that they're at and how they're feeling before God. So they're great when we come to them, aren't they? Uh, they're like poems for us. Uh, who knows the, the movie? It's called The Hunt for the Wilder People. No? You should watch it. Great movie, okay? It's a great, yeah, choice, bro. Uh, the Hunt for the Wilder People, I'd encourage you, it's a really great film to watch. Uh, but what it's about is little Ricky Baker there, who's, uh, which one of those did it? Nicole, the middle one of it. This guy here is Ricky Baker, and this is his uncle Eric, or Heck, I should say. Uh, he's not really his uncle, but he calls him his uncle. Now, Ricky Baker is, uh, you would have probably called him a bit of a, they call him a very naughty boy in the movie. Uh, and he does a whole lot of different things. But one of the things that his youth worker told him to do was when he was feeling like he couldn't express himself, when he was feeling he didn't know how to get things out, rather than going doing graffiti or causing havoc or doing something else in the streets, then he encouraged them to write this thing called haiku, which is a type of poem. Uh, it's a Japanese poem. And what it is, it's only got three lines in it or three sentences in it. The first one's got five syllables, the second one's got seven, and the last one's got five. And generally they don't rhyme. Uh, but they're a way of expressing themselves to someone. So this is what Ricky did when he was out. He said, trees, birds, rivers, sky. That's the first one. There's only, you work out there's five syllables in it if you go through. Running with Uncle Heck, living forever. So what I wanted to explain, show you there is that Poems give us an opportunity, or songs give us an opportunity to express what's going on on the inside when we find it hard to do it in any other way. 
And so the Psalms are like that. The Psalms are a way of people expressing what's going on on the inside for them. Uh, Someone once said to us that uh, most scriptures speak to us, but the Psalms speak for us. Most scripture speaks to us, and the Psalms can do that. But the Psalms actually speak for us. But because within them, they open up what's going on on the inside. What's happening with our emotions around us. Uh, The Psalms that we're going to be looking at over a little while, uh, here's just a couple of them. If you've got your Bibles open, you can follow along with me. Or if not, you can just believe me that that's true. Uh, These are the first lines of between Psalms 13 and uh, 19, missing one of them. But look what they say. How long, O Lord? It's an expression, isn't it, of what's going on for them. That's what I'm going to look at today. Uh, Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, you can just feel this, can't you? He's angry about what's going on here. Next one, keep me safe, my God. It's opening up, isn't it? Psalm 17, hear me, Lord. My plea is just. What about Psalm 18? I love you, Lord, my strength. Sometimes I think uh, we can get really straight in our understanding of uh, what it is to relate to God and sometimes we think we've just got to have it all sorted. Uh, But these are saying we don't have it all sorted but we need to express how we are with with who God is, don't we? That's what the Psalms do. That's why I'm excited to bring them to you over the next couple of weeks because that's what they're going to do to us. They're going to help us express the cries of our heart to God, what's going on on the inside for us. Uh, And we're going to see that they're about being real and raw, aren't they? Sometimes I think as Christians we try to put on this veneer that we've got it all sorted, that we've got it all worked out, that everything's great, all's good. That's become a really popular saying in Australia, hasn't it? All's good. Garbage, it's not all good, is it? It's never all good. There's no one sitting in this room today that everything is good for you. I'm sorry, it's not. All right, there's garbage going on with around you. No worries. Yeah, that's it, that's the other one. No worries, all good. And there might be good stuff happening in your life, don't get me wrong, but it's not all. It's never all. And the Psalms tell us it's not. It never was. And it never will be until we get to eternity, is it? You see, because this is what God wants for us. He wants us to be raw and real with him because he's raw and real with us. He doesn't just leave us where we are and sit us down and say, okay, we'll just go on with it. Just find your own way in life. But he got raw and real with us in Jesus, didn't he? If you want to see God getting raw and real with us, well, he sends his most treasured possession. He sends his one and only son. He sends of himself into this broken, mucked up world who lives amongst us, who walks amongst us, who gets dirty feet, who feels the heat of the Mediterranean, who feels the pain and the destruction and sees people and the injustice. He experiences all that. And if you had been here 2,000 years ago, you would have seen him do that. God got raw and real with us in Jesus. So raw and real with us that there was no other way that we could possibly be in relationship with him apart from Jesus going to the cross for us. 
That's how raw and real God is. But that's how much he loves us and desires us to be in relationship with him that he sends him to the cross and he rises again so that we can have life forever. That's how raw and real he is with you and I. He wants us to be raw and real back to him. He doesn't want any of us to be Mrs. Bouquet. Those of you who remember that show, Mrs. Bucket was her name, Mrs. B-U-C-K-E-T. But when anyone came near her, he says, no, my name's Mrs. Bouquet. And it was called Keeping Up Appearances, wasn't it? And that's exactly what it was, wasn't it? She just tried to look the best. Make sure you drive slightly past 23. I want her to see my hat. There's supposed to be no Mrs. Bouquets. We're all supposed to be Mr. and Mrs. Buckets. That's who we are, to be raw and real and raw and real before God because he's raw and real with us and we can't fudge it with him anyway. Well, well, we try. We can fudge it with God. No, none of you can fudge it with God. And the Psalms tell us that, don't they? The Psalms tell us that that's the way that we are to relate with him and that's the way that people have related through history. And when we come to the Psalms, there's 150 of them. And in that 150, just about every one of them is a raw expression of how someone is feeling. They go from mainly either lament to praise. They're the two main that you'll see throughout the Psalms, lament and praise. And you'll see that actually the first half are mainly lament with a few praise, the last half are mainly praise and a few laments. But within them, they're good people expressing their emotions to God. Because the other thing that psalms are to us is they're mirrors to our souls. Not only do they tell us about how to be raw and real and show us about people who are being raw and real, but they also reflect back to us, don't they? They show us what we're feeling as well. What does the mirror do? Stand in front of the mirror and you go, oh no, that's not who I'm supposed to look like, am I? But you stand in front of the mirror and you look at it and you see your outward appearance. But then your mind starts talking, doesn't it? And your mind starts speaking and you start saying things about what you see in the mirror and it's not always about what you look like. It's often about what's going on on the inside. And that's what Psalms do to us. They reflect back to us and they reflect into our hearts of what's going on on the inside for you and I. And that's one of the beauties of them, isn't it? It speaks to us and speaks for us and speaks into us. What's going on for us? Uh, John Calvin, who's, uh, if any of you know about church history, uh, was a, a guy back around about the 15, 1600s, a similar time to a guy called Martin Luther, uh, in that time, and he wrote uh, some amazing stuff on Christianity. And this is what he says about the book of Psalms. He said, This book I want to call an anatomy of all the parts of the soul, for no one will find himself a single feeling of which the image is not reflected in this mirror. It's Christ's time, isn't it? The anatomy of our soul, anatomy of our emotion, what's going on on the inside, and how we're feeling that. So as we're going to look through the Psalms over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see them speak to us, we're going to see them speak for us, and then we're going to see them reflect back at us. 
And as we do that, we're going to have those emotions. Some of them are really touch us and we'll say, yes, that is exactly how I'm feeling. Some of them say, no, I'm not quite connected. But then another one will speak to us in a different way. And you'll find that throughout your life, you can go back to one of them and say, well, actually, I'm there now and not there. And you can see it and you can feel it and you can experience that from the inside. They are a beautiful part of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at them together. And what I'm going to encourage you to do over these five weeks as we look at these psalms together is for you to start thinking about writing your own. Think about writing your own psalm. It might be a haiku. It might be just three sentences. It may be longer than that. But to actually start thinking about what God's doing within you and your emotion back to him and then write to him. Put it in your own words. So in our gospel community groups, you're going to have space and time to do that each week. You might be just sort of formulating it over a few weeks, pulling it together. Uh, If you're not in a gospel community, I encourage you to go home and do that. Anyway, bring out a piece of paper, sit down and start writing out how you're feeling, uh, putting it together. The poems in uh, the Psalms don't always rhyme, by the way. They don't always have a lovely metre to them. Uh, some of them do, some of them are acrostic, some of them actually go in the same letters as the, the Hebrew alphabet. There are some really nicely put ones. Other are just raw expressions of what's going on for them. So I'm going to encourage you to do that, to write your own. And on the last week, in week five, uh, you can either come up and read them to all of us or you can give them to me and I'll read them for you. Now, I thought it was great last term when we did Philippians. And we had the opportunity to share, didn't we, of what God spoke to us out of Philippians. It was great to see what God was doing in different lives, wasn't it? And the verses that came up. So I thought this would be great for us to think about that for the Psalms as well. Let's think about how we can put that together. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to have 90 of them up here on the fifth Sunday. I'm going to read 90 of them, but a number of them would be wonderful. It'd be great. Uh, some of you might even want to put it to words and put it to music. Benny Weeks did one for Philippians, and we didn't quite get to sing it, did we, mate? But... Uh, Uh, We can do that. You might even put it to music. And you might get someone to sing it other than me. It would be really helpful. I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to think about that and think about you expressing what's going on for you and what your feelings are before God. So what we're going to do today is just to finish off, we're going to quickly touch into one of those psalms. We're going to go to Psalm 13. Uh, and we're going to be doing that one today. Matt's going to come up and read it for us. It's only a short psalm, and uh, we'll read it, and then we'll quickly touch into it, and we'll finish up. to us. Uh, this is one of those psalms that you'd call a lament. Uh, and there, you can see that in the way that it starts, doesn't it? You can see that this is a psalm, a psalm of David. We think David wrote probably the majority of the psalms, as in probably 50 or 60 of them. Uh, but then the rest of them were put together by a number of different people and gathered together uh, over a period of time to form the book of psalms that we have today. And this one, we can see, don't we, that he's, he's struggling 
How long? How long, Lord? How long? How long before we get there, Dad? You can feel it, can't you? Kids in the back seat crying out, How long? How long? It's been five minutes. We haven't we got there yet? And you're on your 10-hour trip to Sydney. It's that sense, isn't it? It's that sense that he feels. What's going on, God? What's happening? Why is this like this? Have you forgotten me? Have you left me out? What's happened, Lord? He feels like he's been forgotten. And we think at this point in time that maybe he's in a situation where his health is failing him and as his health is failing him, he's crying out to God, but why, God? Why is this? How long is this going to go on for? Don't you hear me? He says, doesn't he, to the point of death. I'll be overcome, my foes will rejoice. I will sleep in death. Verse 3. He's feeling that there's a possibility that his life's about to finish. And not only that, but if his life does finish, then his foes, those that want him out of being king, because he's probably King David at this point in time, those that want him to be out of the kingdom, are going to gloat and say, Yee-hee, the king's dead. They want him gone. So David cries out, doesn't he? He feels that. Have you ever done that? Had that moment where your health and you felt it's going, it's gone. And then not only do your health go, but then your brain starts to run and you start to think of all these other things that are going on and we take over and we start going and suddenly we feel like, where are you, God, in all of this? Well, you're not alone. David felt like that. The king of kings. The one who God says, a one after my own heart. The king of which the line of Jesus comes from, cries out and feels God's forgotten him. He's feeling that pain. He's feeling that maybe God isn't great. Maybe God isn't glorious. Maybe God isn't good. Maybe God isn't gracious. You remember those four Gs we spoke about a few years ago? They're great truths. It says they're God's four liberating truths. He is great, that he is glorious, that he is good, that he's gracious. They're wonderful truths, but there's time when we start to doubt them, aren't we? And David's starting to doubt that. He's starting wondering whether this is true or not. Is this the case, Lord? Are you truly good? Are you really gracious? Are you glorious? Are you great? Where are you, Lord? But you notice that in his cry, it's not, Lord, I've written you off. It's not, Lord, you're completely extreme for me, but there's... There's a real sense of connection going. There's a real sense of relationship. There's actually a sense of knowing that God is special to him, isn't he? He says, because he says there, look, look on me and see and answer, Lord, my God. It's personal. David's a believer here. It's not David doesn't know God. God knows him. God, David believes in him. David trusts in this God, in his God. It's his God. It's my God. It's not anyone else's. It's mine. It's personal. He knows him. 
But at this point in time, he's feeling like he's not near him. He's feeling forgotten by him. He's feeling the angst that life is not all good at the moment for him. And in fact, his life is on the line. His health is failing. His enemies are all around him. He's struggling. We feel that sometimes, don't we? We look at the circumstances around us and we feel that. We feel that stuff's come from here and stuff's come from there. And there's another wave that's hit us. And then another wave hits us as we just got up from the last one. And then bang, another one smacks us in the face. And you think, whoa, God, man, I'm on shaky ground here. I'm feeling it from all the sides. Well, that's okay that you're feeling it. See, I think sometimes we try to deny our feelings, don't we? Sometimes we try to shunt them to the side and say, no, 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 forget your feelings. No, 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 we, we feel, God knows we feel. God's people through the centuries have felt and we need to feel now too. We can feel it. We can express it. As David expresses his feelings, he senses that God has forgotten about him, that God's not hearing him, that God's not listening to him, that God's not there for him. Look, in his head he knows that. But here at the moment he's not feeling it. But within that, as he's expressing that, as he's letting that out, as he's writing that, there's a glimmer of hope coming out, isn't there? There's a glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel. Look at what he says in verse 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. That's a big jump, isn't it, from the first four verses? He's done a huge leap from there, hasn't he? Because he does know this truth. He does know that, Jesus is, that God is his salvation, that God is good. And he knows that, that hope, and, and he sees that light at the tunnel, and as he knows that light at the tunnel, he expresses that that's where he wants to be, that's where he wants to go, that is where he wants, he wants to be out into that light. And so he expresses that truth as well. In his darkness, he sees the truth and he wants to move towards it. You see, the bright light, the hope that he looks forward to, we have seen as clear as day in Jesus. You see, David didn't know that this is what God was going to do, that actually God was going to heal everything. God was going to restore. God never forgot, never didn't hear. God always heard, but God always had a plan. And God was moving everything towards this plan of bringing this wonderful salvation, this light that's going to blast into the whole world. The light of God's salvation in Jesus. We're on the cross. We see that God hears, that God sees and God acts that God feels our pain and wants to deal with it finally and completely in Jesus. 
that on the cross we see God speaking to us and into us and into the world. And bringing that hope and bringing that salvation and seeing that God is good. And we can look at that, can't we? We're on the other side. We can come back and see that. And so that we can know that even in the midst of what we feel that's going on around us, and we may not be able to grasp hold of anything in the moment, but we can see it. We can see the hope. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we can move towards that. We may not be out of the darkness yet, but we have that hope. We have that light that God has placed there before us. And we can move towards it. We can see it. And we can hope in that. Not a pitiful hope that maybe someday possibly could be if it and all that sort of thing, but actually a definite hope. And so that means that when we are feeling like God forgotten, he hasn't. When we are feeling like our health is gone, well, it will ultimately be dealt with. When we feel that death might be on our doorstep, well, we have the hope of eternity that can even blow that apart that speaks into that sense of feeling lost and forgotten, we have this wonderful hope of God who says, no, come to me. That's why we sang that song in the middle. You see, David, in those first four verses, has two options in front of him, doesn't he? One is he runs away from God. And he takes off. He says, you're not gracious you're not great, you're not good, you're not glorious. I'm out of here and I run away. And what happens then? Complete hopelessness. Complete devastation. Bitterness. Written off. Panic. Anxiety. It overcomes and overruns. His other option is to run to God, to run into his arms, to know that he is good, gracious, good and glorious, to sing to him, to praise him, to say, Lord, you are my salvation. And in that there is hope, and in that is life, and in that is eternity. I pray that you this morning, I don't know where you're at in your emotional relationship with God at the moment, but if you're like David and you feel like lamenting, don't run away. Run to him. Because the light, the hope that we have in Jesus is the hope that will bring us through this world and into his glorious light for eternity. I pray that's you. I pray that's me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we want to praise you and thank you that you've put into your book, your story, these psalms, uh, that you've worked through your people to express their emotion and their feeling and to put it onto words and put it onto paper and that within it, Lord, we see our, ourselves, we feel that emotion. We feel those circumstances, we feel those situations, we feel that hitting us. It reflects us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we're not alone. 
in having an emotional response to you, that we're not alone in feeling sometimes lost, sometimes feeling forgotten, sometimes feeling not heard, Lord. Sometimes feeling that we're just not sure what this is all about. But Lord, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for the way that you have spoken into and shown us through your word and through your son, Jesus. That we're not forgotten. That you do hear. That you do act and have acted. And that, Lord, you desire us to run to you and not run away. Heavenly Father, by the power of your Spirit, work within our hearts, Lord, that we know the healing that comes only from you. And that, Lord, whatever circumstances that are happening around us, whatever emotions are going on within us, Lord, will drive us and enable us to run to you, to your arms, to your salvation, so that we may praise and sing that you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name.